0: I'd like you to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. I've been preaching through 1st and 2nd Timothy this summer. So for those of you that are here for the first time, you're thinking, how did we end up in Matthew? Well, we ran out of 1st and 2nd Timothy. So we kind of took where I ended in Timothy and came back to Matthew chapter 6. And that's where we'll be today. But I want to start by asking you a question. Anybody here worry? Don't raise your hand. Anybody worry? Does anybody ever play what I call the what-if game where you wake up in the middle of the night or maybe you just couldn't even go to sleep because you're staring at the ceiling wide awake, your brain is going, and all you're doing is worrying. You're worrying about some things that couldn't possibly happen because they're mutually exclusive. But you're playing the what-if game. What if this happens? What if that happens? What if she does this? What if he says that? What if this happens in my life this week? And you feel at times like there's a big elephant just sitting on your chest. You're worried. The title of the message is From Worry to Contentment. And I want to say at the outset, if you're worried, you won't be content. If you truly find contentment in Jesus Christ, you won't be worried. Unfortunately, there's times in my life where I fall out of contentment back into worry. I know that will never happen to you, but that happens to me sometimes. And, of course, I'm joking. That that can happen at times. So I want to look at how do we get from worry to contentment in the Word of God. I, I did come up with a few things about what could cause you to worry. If you wake up and look outside and Jim Cantore is standing in your front yard, you probably should be worried. A few others. If If your boss tells you when you come into work, don't bother taking your coat off, that's not going to be a good thing. If the bird singing outside your window is a buzzard and it's kind of circling over your bedroom, that's not good. If you wake up and your braces are locked together, that's, that's, you're going to be eating out of a straw. If your income tax refund check bounces, we all have reason to be worried. Those were intended to be funny. But there's really nothing funny about worry, because worry demonstrates a lack of faith. And that sounds like a Sunday school answer, but it's true. In fact, I really think it's saying to God, I don't trust you. I don't believe you. I don't think you've got this, so i got to do it myself. And none of us would say that, but that's what we do by worry. Let's look at this passage. Matthew 6, I'm going to begin in verse 24. This is Jesus' teaching, just to give you context. This is a Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, Sermon on the Mount. Where did that take place? It took place on a mountain, really a hillside overlooking the Sea of Galilee. And what a cool amphitheater that is for Jesus to teach. He's teaching his disciples, but he's also teaching a group of religious people who had the price tags totally backwards in their mentality. What they thought was valuable, Jesus is about to teach them, you're placing value in the wrong place. And I think in some ways it was shocking. I love the end of it when you get to chapter 7, the end of the chapter. Everybody looks at each other and says, we've never heard anybody preach like this. He preaches as one who has authority. Bingo. This is Jesus. No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or... He will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. For this reason, I say to you do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, that they do not sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to your life? And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil nor spin, and yet I say to you, that not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothed the grass of the field, which is alive today, and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Do not worry then saying, What will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So my first thought is, what's the source of worry? Some of you feel like you hang out with the wrong people. That You know, man, that that guy or that girl makes me worry. Listen, listen. People are only the vehicle that may be delivering the issue to you. But you're the one that opens the door. When we get a UPS package at our house, they put it on the porch, ring the doorbell, and run. (laughs) They're delivering a package. Normally it's something you want, something you've ordered. But I have to choose to open the door and receive it. So I just want to start off by saying that. Don't blame other people for your worry. Focus on yourself. So Jesus says no one can serve two masters. He doesn't say no one should serve two masters. He's not saying this is a suggestion. How about not serving two masters? He says you can't do it. It is impossible to serve two masters. And he gives an illustration or he gives an application because you're either going to hate one and love the other or you're going to be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve two masters. The word that he uses for serve is the word for slave. Quite often the apostle Paul starts his letters by using this word to say, Hey, I'm a slave to the Lord Jesus Christ. So Jesus speaking is saying, You can't be a slave voluntarily or involuntarily. Same word could be used in either application. So if you're a child of God, you've basically said, This is my Lord. And that's what the word master is. Same word that we would use to say, Jesus Christ, Lord Jesus Christ, is that Greek word kurios, and it, it means master. It means lord so jesus is saying you can't serve two lords you're either going to hate one and love the other literally detest one and love the other both of these refer to an inner personal motive so in your heart if you're trying to serve two you're hating one and loving the other or outwardly you're devoted to one and despise the other so it's impossible And yet, why do we try to do that? So Jesus says, no one can serve two masters because you can't serve God and wealth. A lot of translations have God and mammon, money. You can't serve God and wealth. Isn't it interesting that Jesus, 16 out of 38 parables deal with money, wealth. About 500 verses in the New Testament deal with prayer, Less than 500 deal with faith. Over 2,000 deal with money. I've heard people come to church, all oh, that preacher ever talks about money. Well, I talk about it because Jesus talks about it. Because money is an indicator of where your heart is. Earlier in the passage of chapter 6, he says, where your treasure is, it's where your heart already is. You can tell what somebody values most by just looking at their checking account or their credit card statement. Where are you spending your money? So Jesus says, let me just clear this up. You can't serve God and stuff. So he says, for this reason. Well, for what reason? For what he's just talked about, having one master. For this reason I say to you, so Jesus is about to make a pronouncement. If you would get this right, that you're not trying to serve two masters, then don't be worried. The word worried means to be anxious, or it literally means to be pulled in different directions. That's what happens when you lay at bed at night, or you wake up in the middle of the night, can't go back to sleep because your brain's clicked on, and you're worried about something. You're being pulled in two different directions. It's, it's uneasy. It's uncomfortable. It's worry. So Jesus specifies this is the opposite of contentment. It, it literally means to be choked or strangled. I've been there before. I've been there where I was worried about something. Sometimes it was money. Where you just feel like you're being choked. And Jesus says, don't be worried about your life, about what you will eat, about what you'll drink, or or for your body, what you'll put on. Is life not more than all of that? And the body more than clothing. That's a source of worry. The good news is there's God's gracious provision, starting in verse 26. And Here's the cool thing. In, in the chapel here, we're inside. We've got propresenter pro-presenter on the screen. It's the best we can do. Jesus had live demonstration. Jesus is standing outside on a hillside in Galilee, overlooking the Sea of Galilee. Hundreds, if not thousands, we know on some occasions, thousands of people would hear him teach. And he says, look, look at that bird. What kind of bird was it? I don't know. It was just a bird. But he said, here's an illustration. Look at that bird. Does that bird worry about where its next meal's coming from? Do you see that bird planting seed? Do you see that bird gathering into barns? Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. So he's saying, look at, look at the bird over in Luke chapter 12. Verse 6, it says, aren't five sparrows sold for two cents? He he really literally uses the smallest coin they possibly had. You could get five sparrows for this insignificant coin. And that's what he's pointing out. If, If five of those are worth next to nothing, and yet God takes care of them, how much more is God going to take care of you because you're more valuable than that bird in God's eyes. Aren't you worth much more? And then he says, who by being worried can add a single hour to his life? The word is cubit, which literally means forearm. Some scholars take it to mean height, but it also could mean length of life. So Jesus is saying, all right, you're worried about your life. Is worrying going to help you live longer? The answer is no. In fact, worrying may cause you to live shorter. Dr. Charles Mayo of the Mayo Clinic said worry affects your circulation. It affects your heart. It affects your glands. It affects the whole nervous system. So worrying isn't going to help. Worrying actually hurts. If you're worried about your life, you're worried about how much time you've got left, you're shortening that time by worrying. Jesus says, who can add anything to your life by worry? So why are you worried about clothing? Why are you anxious? Why are you being pulled in different directions? Keep in mind, he says this to a culture who many of them had one outfit. I won't talk about anybody in this room, but I hear there's teenagers that will stand in front of a closet full of clothes. And their mom says, what are you doing? I don't have anything to wear. <laughs> Where, you ever done that? I don't have anything to wear. I don't even know where that comes from, man. you got a closet full of clothes. You ought to give some of that away. Jesus says, why are you worried about what you're going to wear, clothing? And then he says, observe the lilies. This is probably in springtime because in that area of Israel, the Sea of Galilee region, there's wildflowers for six weeks that just are beautiful on the hillsides of Galilee. Jesus may have plucked one and just held it up and said, Consider the lilies. If you're worried about what you're going to wear, check this out. Isn't this beautiful? Solomon, in all of his glory and all of his wealth and all of his splendor, was never able to clothe himself like one of these wildflowers, these lilies that's growing on the hillside. And what's going to happen to this lily? It's going to last about six weeks. Then it's going to dry up. And some ladies are going to use it to cook in the oven. They're going to put a fire under the oven, but to speed things up, they may actually burn dead grass in the oven just to get the heat up. So it's going to burn up. Aren't you worth much more than that? These flowers are here today and gone tomorrow. You're eternal. So why are you worried about that? Why are you worried about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to, how you're going to live? What are you going to wear? He's going to take much better control of you or clothe you. And then he says something he said about four times to his disciples. Oh, you of little faith. word little means puny. He, he said that one time to him: Have I been with you so long and you still have no faith? Hebrews 11 one says, Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Verse 6 of that same chapter says, Without faith it's impossible to please God. For anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who diligently seek Him. Jesus expects us to live a life of faith. And sometimes that faith is not what we see. It's just knowing God. Maybe we don't see where the next clothes are going to come from or the next meal is going to come from or what's around the next corner and how long we're going to live. But we know God. And that's where we place our faith. If I sail off the edge of the earth, I'm going to trust, I'm going to believe that God's there and He knew I was going to sail off the edge of the earth. We put our eternal destiny in His hands. We come to faith, come to Christ in faith and put our eternal destiny in our hands. Then why are we worried about the stuff? Last, let me look at the way of contentment. Truly, our contentment is only found in God. Every need you have is only met fully in Christ Jesus. It's not going to come from somebody else. You're not going to manipulate somebody else to meet your needs, and you're not going to find your contentment there. God may use people in your life to help, but ultimately it's Jesus. Ultimately, our full contentment is found in Him. So don't worry then. Don't, don't be pulled in different directions. As soon as you start sensing that it's happening, talk to God about it, and just confess, God, you know what? I'm worried. Open the Bible, start reading Scripture. Just come back to, God, you're able to do exceedingly beyond abundantly beyond anything I could ask or think. For me, a couple of years ago, it was it was Psalm 31, where it just starts talking about God is a rock, God is a fortress, God rescues. And I finally realized the reason we worry is because we want to be in control. And when we realize things are slipping out of our control, we start worrying about it. Hello, that's where God is. You you can't control anything anyway. Did you know control's an illusion? We fake ourselves out to think well, we got this under control. One phone call can turn that upside down. One conversation can turn that upside down. Do you really want to be the one keeping the lid on control or do you want to turn that over to God? And I know that's easier said than done. But I also know until you do that, you'll never experience contentment. Jesus says, why worry then about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear? Look at the Gentiles. They worry about all those things. Why do they worry about all those things? Because they have no other hope but themselves. Now some of the Gentiles worshipped These Roman or Greek gods and goddesses. But they lived their entire life hoping they were still making them happy. They did things. They brought things before them. They did things in such a way to gain the pleasure and the favor of those gods. Here's what Jesus would say. You're a child of God. You're already in his favor. He already loves you. So why are you worried about the same things the Gentiles are? They're worried about stuff. God knows you need all those things. So here's the pivotal verse, and we close with this. But you can't serve two masters. If you do, your life's going to be one of worry because you're trying to do something that's impossible. You're going to worry about the length of your life. You're going to worry about what you're wearing, what you're eating, what you're drinking. So don't do that, but do this. Seek first. So the first thing in priority and importance and in, time frame the first thing you do is seek his kingdom his it belongs to him it's his rule it's his realm it's his authority it's his kingdom listen the truth is we want him to be in charge because if we're left in charge we have reason to worry as a child of god i'm a child of the king it's all about his kingdom i don't want my kingdom i want to be a part of his kingdom Cause of worry is seeking the things of the world. Cause of contentment is seeking his rule, his will, his authority above everything else. So here's a question maybe you need to ask from time to time what really is important to you? Is it your reputation? Is it a person? Is it a possession? Is it what's important? If it's God, then seek God. First, If it's not God, then you need to seek God first. So seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. Are you more concerned about what's right in God's eyes or what's right in the eyes of the world? Seek His righteousness. You catch the word. He's already said the Gentiles seek all these things. What they are passionate about, what they are charging hard after with all of their heart is the stuff of this world. Rather than you charging hard after the stuff of the world, trust God for the stuff of this world and charge hard after him. Be passionate about your relationship with him. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And then what's the promise? This is Jesus. All these things will be added to you. What you wear, what you eat, what you drink, and the length of your life is in his hands. The cause of worry, again, is seeking the things of this world. The cause of contentment is seeking the things of God, His kingdom, His righteousness. So let me close by asking this. What what are you seeking today? Is the most important thing in your life your relationship with Jesus Christ? Is that where you're focused? Or have you been making a list today of stuff that's grabbed your attention and grabbed your heart, and you need to turn from that back to God? You're not going to seek this. You're going to believe God for that. You're going to seek God with all your heart. Philippians 4, 19. And my God will supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. So you can either supply your needs, and I promise you that will lead to a dead-end path of worry, or you can believe that God will meet your needs, and that leads to a path of contentment. Let's pray together. Bow your heads with me. Father. Thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you for the teaching of Jesus who knew the human heart. Who knew that there are times that we are pulled in different directions. There's times that we play the what-if game. There's times we worry about stuff that we cannot control. So God, it's easier said than done, but help us to do it. Help us to seek first you. Help us to seek your kingdom, your righteousness, Place all that stuff in your hands and not our hands. Thank you for loving us that much that you'll take care of us. You know we need those things. And so we're going to believe you for them. God, if there's someone here this morning that entered this place just real needy, kind of pray you'd help them to stop worrying about those things and focus on you first and foremost. God, for somebody that's just been complacent lately, reignite the passion of their heart for you. Thank you that you're trustworthy, you're reliable, and you are sovereign God. Thank you for that truth. May we live our lives like it's really true. In Christ's name,